Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome everyone to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando here from The Athletic along with Randy Mueller, the three-time GM, former NFL Exec of the Year. Uh, I'm trying to butter you up, Randy, as we go here. You can find all his work at MuellerFootball.com. Uh, he's he's uh, on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm really trying to get in your good graces, Randy, because you're going to educate me today. You're going to set Sando straight. It ain't the first time, believe me. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. You might want to set your standards a little higher. You're taking, uh, taking direction from me. Hey, I will say this. I am yeah. fired up because championship yeah. weekend is actually, I think, the best four teams in the league. So that's kind of the caveat behind all of our discussion. And I, that's just my yeah. opinion. I think yeah. these are the best four teams in the league. I think we got them too. I, yeah. I think we, you're right. I think we got them too. And, and, you know, certainly at Buffalo at one point might've been one of those, yeah. but I think we got, I think we got the right teams yep. um, right now. And everybody of course can, can look up at all the great topics we're going to talk about today, but we are going to start out uh, talking about Brock Purdy in particular and the 49ers Um and Randy has, from day one, I think, said, uh, hey, it's kind of interesting here. They are not dumbing it down. They're not changing the offense for this guy. And, and uh, you know, I think as we look at this championship weekend, Randy, there's a, there's a lot of knowns. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kelsey, Kyle Shanahan, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Some of the Eagles are a little newer uh, in Jalen Hurts. But of all of the participants – that play prominent roles. I think without question, Brock Purdy is the most enigmatic one. Uh, hasn't lost a start uh, since coming in there, has played some really good football. And uh, people like you, Randy, taught me early on, uh, I've joked before when I, when I was first starting out covering the Seahawks and you were there, don't get excited about the preseason, Sando. Calm down, this stuff <laughs> will, will play out. So I've been voice of reasoning. I've been the yeah, but guy. Uh, on uh, that's because you've been hanging around me there's too many yeah around you but i'm not the film watcher i'm more the situational yeah but guy i'm i'm the one who says you know since he's been started they since he's been starting uh they've 
they've had 22 drives start in plus territory by far most in the league. You know, his receivers are wide open. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's elite scheming these guys. And, you know, it's a lot of in-breaking routes, early downs. I've been the one, I, I've been trained to not get too excited, but that's what excites me about today because you're that way by nature. You have to look at it and see it. And now you're going to tell us, I'm going to yield the floor. I'm just going to go, you know, sweep my office here while I listen to you because you, <laughs> you you're going to you're going to tell us the truth from what you've seen. What what do you got? Well, I'll say this: everything you said is true. They have yeah. been well schemed. They do have receivers that are open. Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan is one of the top two or three play callers in the business. Their defense is awesome. And but I've been kind of on, on your line of thinking in that I'm kind of waiting to see. Something yeah. that tells me, and and I'll be honest, I texted you during the game <laughs> at, uh, uh, one time, and I said there may be something here that is flawed, fat- fatal flaws here, and but I want to back it up when I look at some film. And when yeah. I went back to that film, I was not skeptical. In fact, a believer was made, and and I'm <laughs> drinking the Kool Aid. So I'll just tell you a little bit about what I saw. There's some scouting. Uh, acronym in there, but there's also some things I think we can all learn from it, me included, when you really study it and don't anchor yourself to a position. Sometimes in the scouting world, when a guy gets drafted late or even a college free agent, um, you're anchored on your initial feelings or your initial report, Yep. and you're afraid to change. So when a guy gets drafted late, you're always skeptical, right? Yeah, I thought this, but I thought he was a seventh-round pick. I thought he was a free agent, you know. And so sometimes we just have to write what we see, right? Just and I tell young scouts this for years. I just write what you see. There's not rocket science. If you just see what, look at the film and write down particularly the good things, the bad things. We'll 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 confab a report from that. So that's kind of what I did with Purdy, and I saw a little different things than I expected to see. I think the big thing with him and the reason he probably got drafted late was really the arm strength. I think he's a he's a prospect with average arm strength where if you watch him in a pro day or if you watch him at Indianapolis, you'll say, yeah, he doesn't wow me. You know, he gets it there. But here's the deal with pro days, with Indianapolis workouts, with all these personal workouts, you yeah. don't get to consider anticipation, timing, instincts, all those things. When the when yeah. the analysts watched, uh, who's the kid from that the Titans drafted last year in the first? And Malik Willis. Malik Willis. Go back and look at his uh, combine and all the analysis that was being done when he was throwing those pretty long balls and zipping the ball here or there. Everybody thought that was going to equate to special traits. Now, I'll give you the fact that he has a skill set. But you're not taking into account anticipating. You're not taking into account into account instincts. You're not taking into account all of the accuracy that would be needed at the next level. So there's a lot of things that don't get really organized in one's mind because they're not prevalent when you watch these workouts. And I found that that, that was the big deal with Purdy. The, the, the biggest negative I could say is his, his arm strength is average. But what he has is really good ball placement. He anticipates when receivers are coming open. He gets the ball out quickly. He is a decisive decision maker. And I compared him, and I'm not saying this guy's Philip Rivers, but I spent 10 years with Philip Rivers. You would not teach anybody to throw the ball like Philip Rivers. I would say his arm strength is above average. But what made Philip, I think, 
was all the things I just said. Instincts, timing, anticipation, ball placement, all of the things that are not physical traits per se. And I think those are the strengths of Purdy's game. There are some things. Um, he, he, is, he needs a solid platform a lot of times to throw balls downfield, but he always knows he does. He doesn't have great athleticism when on the move to make certain throws. But the upside to that is he doesn't make crazy decisions because he doesn't have that. He's right. not making Pat Mahomes throws. He's not making these guys. Josh that Allen. Yeah, yeah, Josh Allen, because he's that's not him. And he knows what he isn't. So therefore, the mistakes, the risk has been minimized as well. From a clean pocket, he can make all the throws. He, he can also change his level that he throws the ball at, whether it's sidearm, uh, under certain defenders, and around certain defenders, he can do that. He does not have to have the same delivery point when he makes throws, which so often is inhibiting to other young quarterbacks when they come in the league because they always got to throw it the right way so that mechanics are sound. So he can make some of the shorter throws without sound mechanics. Um, so there's just a lot of things that were on point when I looked at him. He, If the pocket isn't clean, he is somewhat limited. But again, he knows where people are he understands his checkdowns. He will process information quickly. All intangible things that aren't first and foremost when people evaluate quarterbacks, but as important as any of them are. He gets the ball out quickly and very accurately, very consistently. And those are the bottom lines for him. I, and I've said this before on the podcast. Kyle does not have to change his game planning. He really doesn't have to change his play calling. Because this kid can operate all that. Now, the reason he can is, one, he's he's good at it. But two, what you mentioned, really good offensive line, really good receivers, maybe one of the top two or three tight ends in the league, and a great defense. So all of great that back. comes together. Yeah, great back. But, yeah. yeah. What I didn't find was any flaws that would give me hesitation or make me pump the brakes. So I concluded at the end of all this is, I don't know what's going to happen this weekend or if they make it to the Super Bowl, but I know this. When they start 2023, this kid's going to be the starter. And everybody yeah. says, oh, they gave up all this for Trey Lance. It really doesn't matter. They can't take this kid out of the game because he has not let them down in one game, one iota. So I feel bad for Trey Lance, but he's going to start next season. And they may say it's a competition, but it'll be Purdy's job to lose, in my yes. opinion. And I don't think there's any looking back. Absolutely. Now, did you be, did you even look at him really in the draft much last year? I don't remember that we talked about him. No, much. I didn't. But when I saw him, I, I don't know if you remember, we looked at some tight ends and he had a tight end yeah, that yeah. played for him too. That actually was another like fourth or fifth round pick of the Ravens. And so I saw a glimpse of Purdy when I was watching this tight end. And you see some of this stuff, but I really didn't hone in on him enough to yeah, yeah. have an opinion one way or another. Yeah. So now sort of knowing what we know, let's just say that let's just say we know all of this and he was in the draft last year, right? Is this a second round grade or what, what, what are, how, I'm trying to find a way to really uh, put a value on it now. Right. I mean, well, what, what are I'll we I'll give saying? you a comparison and then you tell me, would you rather have Brock Purdy or Mac Jones? Yeah. I mean, I mean, right me. now you'd take, right now you would take Purdy. Well, but one was the knows? 15th pick in the draft and yeah. one was the last pick in the I don't yeah. see a big difference in skill set, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't. I just I think Purdy does everything Mac Jones does, and he might be a tad more athletic. So I know everybody says it's a small body work, but it's been six, seven weeks now. So there's plenty of stuff to make a decision on. 
The other plus he has is he's going to allow them to continue to build the team with a rookie contract on their quarterback. And so that's that's gold. Absolutely. That's gold. No, that's huge. Yeah. That's absolutely huge. We may we may or may not get to it on the podcast, but today that Brandon Bean of the Bills was talking about that. They yeah. were saying, hey, what can you learn from the Bengals? And he's like, well, <laughs> it's nice having a star quarterback and receiver making rookie money. So no that is a huge consideration for them. Uh, now, have we uh, – so – you know, we liked uh, Mac Jones and we like Purdy, not love, didn't love Mac Jones. Um, have we been able to see the the other sort of things that kind of separate guys into those top tiers, which is, you know, the ability to handle a drop back passing situation and all of that? Do we feel pretty good about that with him uh, if they really had to shift a little bit more onto him? I don't think Shan- Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to shift too much of his philosophy and his scheme. Yeah. So yep. I think he's got protection there. I, I compared him to like the diver. You watch diving and they give a, a, a score for degree of difficulty. Yeah, yeah. And, and the one diver hits all of his dives, but he doesn't do anything really hard, but he hits every one perfectly. Yeah. That's what this guy is. The degree of difficulty of his throws are, are easy enough where he's hitting every one and he never makes a crazy throw because he yeah. doesn't have to risk the extra somersault as the diver does. So he's, his range of scores compared to that next diver who's yep. more risky is all within a real short you know, range. That's the best I could do. It, it, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. What I think about is sometimes when you're at the top of that diving platform, there's a 20-mile-an-hour gust comes up, and now we find out who really can hit the water, right? Oh. Uh, uh, and that's sort of what football is as you, as you get into the situations of what really – I think – I think what we've said is this is a starting quarterback. This is a good starting yes. quarterback. And uh, and, at, and I, my, I guess my point is also it's one that doesn't have top-rated physical yeah. characteristics per se. He's not 6'5". He doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. But it shows me as, as at any level if we're going to evaluate quarterbacks, if you can get the ball out on time with anticipation and really good accuracy, you can play at any level. Trust me. I don't care if it's high school, yeah. if it's college, or if it's pro. That's what I would suggest looking at. When when somebody's trying to figure out if a quarterback can play or not, can he get it out on time? Can he? Does he have anticipation? Does he have accuracy? You, you can play at any level. Yeah, so what I would say then for the 49ers, I would compare this then, you know, we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo, he does sometimes make those mistakes, right? He does sometimes get a little flustered. Um, when Strong it's arm, falling. might take more risks. Yeah, and sometimes it looks good coming out, a little bit more of a fluid, right, or, or a whip or whatever you want to call it. But um, but from where they're at, it's just so interesting to me that they they liked Jimmy, but they wanted to get better. So they, they went all in on this, uh, this Trey Lance, but then they sort of found another Jimmy, right? I mean, somewhat in that he's, he's good but has some limitations, but maybe maybe that's okay. I mean, they're oh, in the championship totally game again. I mean, yeah. maybe this is what they should have. Sometimes it's not an exact science. Sometimes we back into our answers. It's not. I mean, yeah. these guys aren't the geniuses of all geniuses, right? It, sometimes it unfolds. you got to give them credit for drafting this kid at all. Oh, because yeah. Because the other 31 teams didn't think he was worthy of being drafted. And then the development that goes with the coaching staff and the scheme fit. So that's all there. You're right. I think. Yeah. I don't think they have any choice. I think this is their guy until he proves he's not. And. I feel bad for Trey Lance, but it is what it is. 
Now, the fact that they're this far along almost answers the question, can you win a Super Bowl with him, right? Because he's here. I mean, you got as good a good a chance I, as anybody. Yeah. I guess that's something that's interesting to me is like you see, you see these teams, uh, you know, Minnesota's been asked about this too. Hey, you got Kirk Cousins. He's a good pro quarterback, but are you ever going to win at all with Kirk Cousins? And it's sort of a... It's sort of an unfair question because, shoot, the Packers have Rodgers and they haven't won it for a long time. But Breeze was great. They only won it one time. It's hard to win it. And it's hard to use Super Bowl results as a litmus test because there's so many factors of your team have to be going well for you to even get into the game. If you have somebody like this who isn't, you know, who is really good, but isn't Josh Allen or Mahomes, should you... You should always be looking for those guys anyway, right? But you're not worried really about... Well, I guess what's your mindset if you have Purdy going the next season? We've got to still be looking because we need to upgrade from this or no, just be happy for the next two, three years. Well, I can only equate it in my career one time, and that was when we were in Seattle, and you'll know the name I'm going to bring up. John Kitten was an undrafted free agent. Yep. We signed him. He played good for us. We kind of didn't want him to have the job, but he took the job. We had others. We had Warren Moon. We had John Freeze. We had other people on our team, but Kitten kept giving me and the coach feeling that he could do this every time we rolled him out there. So we weren't anchored on our position. We didn't hold him back. We let him prove that he could play. And, and I think he did that. So I don't, you know, I guess the, the question for me wouldn't be, should they look for another quarterback? It should be supporting him and finding the best guy to, and, and they have that, I think, in Trey Lance. Oh, yeah. It may be yeah. that they can sit on Trey Lance for another year or two as well before they have to do anything. So I think it's a strong room, but mainly because Purdy's kind of proven he can do the job. It's really fun. It's got, it's amazing really that they can be in this position in your season. It would be so easy for their season to have gone completely South. And then you'd be talking about, yeah, in, injury bug got them and they'd have this loaded team around them with nowhere to go. And it'd be so frustrating, but here they are. I mean, I, I think really the best story that could emerge from this season would be the 49ers to win it all with Brock Purdy. I, I think that would be, uh, unbelievable. I mean, just really unbelievable. It um, would be in, in like of, uh, uh, Trent Green getting hurt and Kurt Warner taking over and winning the Super Bowl uh, as an unknown, you know, when that happened yeah. with the Rams. Absolutely. A very similar situation. Okay, as the 49ers contemplate a future that could include Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback, not making a ton of money for a while because these guys can't even do new contracts under the CBA, collective bargaining agreement, until after their third seasons. thought it was pretty interesting, flagged this today uh, as Brandon Bean was doing an end-of-season news conference as the general manager of the Bills. They had such a disappointing loss through really a tumultuous season. You think about, you know, relocating games because of snow, uh, you know, Vaughn Miller's injury, the DeMar Hamlin thing, really a kind of a unique season. And I think a lot of people were thinking, hey, this is going to galvanize. But th- I thought whoever it was that said this, uh, someone on their team said it, talked about almost running out of gas. It might have been Roger Saffold or somebody. They just sort of felt like they ran out of steam, yeah, you know? 100%. Um, and it was a lot to ask. And in the end, they had their fourth safety out there trying to make plays with the game on the line. It was a, a hard deal. But uh, Brandon Bean was asked by a reporter about the Bengals saying, hey, is there anything they're doing? It's a, kind of a hot button issue right now in Buffalo. Do they need another receiver with Stephon Diggs to, to round out that receiving core? And so uh, obviously Jamar Chase is on Cincinnati and, and Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, was asked, hey, is there anything any sort of trend or anything from Cincy you guys can pick up on? And I think it, I, th- I liked Bean's answer. I mean, he got a little 
he got a little frisky with his answer, but I get it because uh, of the situation they're in. But he said of the Bengals, they have a good team. They right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract. They had some lean years, and without getting too much into their build, I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. <laughs> That's the part that got my attention. If yeah. I'm Duke Tobin, they're like, hey, we we sucked. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it was they the, earned, a little bit of the— They earned Jamar Chase, yeah. Yeah, it was the emotion. Uh, I think it was the emotion of the predicament for Brandon Bean because right. you know you're in the window and you didn't get it done for the second year, and it's, it's hard. It's frustrating. So he said— uh, uh, Brandon Bean said, Jamar Chase, he is a heck of a talent. I'd love to have him. But you have to go through some lean years to do that. They were able to get Burrow number one overall and Chase pretty high. Uh, and those guys are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stephon Diggs a hefty number, Josh Allen a hefty number. There's constraints of the cap. And so, Randy, I, I went and looked. Um, this year, Josh Allen and Diggs are $28 million on the cap to 17 for Burrow and Chase. Next year, it's $60 million to twenty. Mm-hmm. So you really see that kick in, and that's why – as a general manager, you start to sweat a little bit because you don't have those resources. Um, I'm interested to hear your takeaway on this. Mine kind of was those final 13 seconds last year mm-hmm. could really haunt him for a long time because mm-hmm. you don't get chances. Yep. Every season of this is so hard, and you think you've got this long window, and now suddenly there's Cincinnati showing up to the party. We didn't yep. think we didn't know that was going to happen, and now you get a deal with them and Kansas City with Reed. So, curious what you thought as a GM, you know, hearing all of that. I I had to go back and listen to it in its entirety because yeah. I really at first I said, "Whoa, what did he just say? Was he giving <laughs> the Bengals a backhanded compliment?" Yeah, was he, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I re- yeah. I went back and listened to the whole thing, and I think after that, my take was a little different. I understand yeah. what he was saying, and really, what in in a summary in my mind was he was saying that every team is a different build. Every team gets done differently because of some valuations, because of some contracts, because of some evals that, mm-hmm. that they just get built different. And having rebuilt three teams myself, it's, it's, it's a grind and it's different every step of the way at every team I was at. So I get it. Um, yep. To go back first of all, and I couldn't agree with you more in that it looked to me like the bills ran out of gas when some of us, mainly me included, thought they would get an emotional high from the uh, yeah. Hamlin stuff, I think it went the other way. I think they were exhausted from all that. Yeah. And you're right. You pointed out that they had had a displaced snow game earlier in the year where they had to leave their families and make two trips to Detroit in like four days yeah. you know, to play two games. I think this season took its toll on them. And that showed. And I thought they would come out the other end with an emotional run at the end. And, and they... You're right. They just didn't have it in the tank. So that being said, yes, the window and the opportunities that they have to feel like they've kind of missed, definitely the 13 seconds last year. And we said it at the time that it, it might have been as incompetent of 13 seconds as I've ever seen. And I thought it'd be the most watched piece of film from a coaching and teaching standpoint around maybe in the history of the game. And I know teams that are still using that as to how we don't want to play this, especially the Chiefs. So that came up. And then the sh- to show up against Cincinnati, really, and have nothing in the tank from the get-go. From Jump Street, they had no chance against Cincinnati. So that was a total, for lack of a better term, a total ass-kicking. And they really couldn't put up a lot of resistance. So they were spent. So they have, in my opinion, kind of you know, pissed away a couple years. And I think that frustration showed in Brandon's comments. Having said that, I think he knows that they have to get better. He knows they have to add some different parts to this. 
And what he's saying is we got to be selective because our cap is way different than where the Bengals are right now. And we have a very fine line that we can actually use cap dollars yeah. to add to where we're at. So he's kind of yeah. preparing, I think, the fans and as the messenger that don't be don't be thinking we're going to go sign a Trent Williams or somebody like that to make a big difference, you know. Just not probably not going to happen. You know, though, I, here's what the – as I think about this, uh, unlike Brandon Bean who had to answer it with bright lights in his face, you know, mm-hmm. when he's probably just coming out of a meeting and has his mind in a thousand different things, <laughs> we get to sit here and, and, and you know, take two if we want, uh, pause, <laughs> and uh, look at other places online. I would say one thing that isn't – going to be any news to Brandon Bean, but one thing that every team could hope to do as well as the Bengals have done is maximize free agents that didn't cost you a mint. And some that did. I mean, Trey Hendrickson cost them money, but they have filled out their roster in the pro market, Randy, with mm-hmm. guys like DJ Reader or Mike Hilton or Von Bell. I mean, you could really go through their roster and find 10 guys, or maybe it's five, but it's probably more than five. It's probably between five and ten guys that they signed as veterans that have fit in and helped their team make plays that didn't break the bank. The, the types of moves you may be able to do mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, without having a guy in a rookie contract. So um, that's critical for everybody, but certainly going to be for the Bills to maybe find some of those pieces, isn't it? No doubt about it. And I think you you mentioned. Duke Tobin and the job he's done, and he should get accolades for it. They added another younger pro personnel guy in Trey Brown, who I have had affiliation with, who I think is one of the better football minds in the business. It's Theotis Brown's son. And oh, yeah. he, I think, helped them identify some of these angles that, the let's face it, the, the Bengals had not used in the past. They seem to have found ways to not add these kind of pieces, but they've done a better job of that the last couple of years. And, and you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Some of these guys were ascending talent that just didn't either get an opportunity or didn't fit in a scheme somewhere else. And the Bengals have done a better job of this than most teams, and to that credit. And that's exactly what the Bills are going to have to do as well. They're going to have to identify some young ascending talent for a reasonable cost before yeah. they add them to their build. And, and again, I think this is the secret in rebuilding any team, especially when you get to cap levels like the Bills are now, where they don't have a lot of maneuverability. It comes down to getting the best evaluations you can and then valuing these and actually acquiring them at the right number to build out your team to 53 guys. A lot of teams will do this and have 40 guys and then they just fill in the last dozen or so as special teams guys and this or that. You have to use painstaking attention to detail on roster spots 48, 49, 52, 53. And some places aren't like that. Some just won't spend that extra amount of money and effort to do it. I think you're finding that the Bengals did. My guess is the Bills will do it as well. I think the Chiefs are another team that's done a really good job of that. And guess what? We got... You know, yeah. the teams that are in the in the division championships every year. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about our picks this week. Not that we did well last week, but I'm just thinking of Kansas City as a one-point underdog at home. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's Crazy. on a platter. Yeah. That's on a platter for Andy Reid. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Before we get into talking about some of these head coach vacancies, which I definitely want to do, because you've got some great thoughts on that, um, you know, the seems like we could talk about Aaron Rodgers every week, and it could get a little tiresome. Sometimes it does get a little tiresome, but the reason that we're going to do it is because um, just in our going back and forth, Randy is leaning more towards okay. Maybe I'd move Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think we've really <laughs> been in that place. I mean, we've talked about the possibility of it, but it's typically, you know, when you have somebody who uh, is such is a good quarterback, you're not, and you're paying a lot of money, you're you're going to have them. But um, we can talk a little bit about Rodgers, and I think Tom Brady, and that both of their franchises are kind of on maybe if not on the edge of their seat, maybe the Bucks are because they don't really have any control, but the. The, the Packers have some things to think about here, too. And both of them really are coming off seasons when their production wasn't what it had been or, you know, for a variety of reasons. Maybe they're falling off a little. Maybe what's around them. Maybe both. All right. of the above. Um, but I'm curious on this with Rodgers because I think there's a – I think we've all gotten to the point. Shoot, Rob Gronkowski was uh, talking – you know, calling out a little bit of what Rodgers said. I think I feel like there's a little bit of a shift against Rodgers here in terms of everyone's a little tired of it, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm curious for you as we talk about this, because as the GM, you have to do what's best for your team, not just make moves because you're annoyed, right? You can't just be like, I'm tired of this guy and get yeah. rid of him, and then we're 50% worse. Right. So I would love to know sort of what you're thinking and where that all comes together and, and where you're at on Rodgers. I think you're correct. You have to withhold your personal feelings. You can't... Um, be down or up based on what somebody says or does, especially one of your leaders, you've got to do what's right for the team. And 
I've kind of been withholding opinion and judgment on Aaron Rodgers until mm-hmm. I understood this, the new contract, the cap ramifications. I always felt like there's something that I don't know yet, the knowing of which might change my feelings. So I really haven't picked the lane. Yeah. And so your yeah. your assessment of where we've been on the pod is correct. I haven't picked the lane, but I kind of have picked the lane now in that the, yeah. the details of the contract are starting to come for, forefront. Um, this guy's contract next year is $59 million, 59 and some change. That's the amount of money they're going to have to pay him. In fact, the guarantee is $59 million. So it's a fully guaranteed deal with crazy, crazy money. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just not sure that I could write that check for Aaron Rodgers, having listened to him for the last year, having used some of that leadership style in a way that I don't think was best suited for the Packers, which is mm-hmm. the people running that team. And now a guy who's approaching 40, and we're going to pay him $60 million a year. That team seems to me like a pretty good jumping off point, especially because we drafted a quarterback three years ago, and, and, and we think fairly highly of him, probably more than the public does, but they see him every day. So I'm going to trust that they can evaluate better than those of us sitting at home on our couch. So um, I just thought there, there had to be a reason that Adam Schefter this week tweeted or said or reported that a possible trade from Aaron Rodgers is now being realized by both sides, and it's it's a real thing. And it was diving into that contract that tells me not only is it a real thing, I actually think it's a probability. Couple that with the the, the stuff that he said about wanting my own guys back, Tunyon, Lewis, Cobb. I mean, come on, stop. Just stop. You know, I can just see Brian Gutekunst sitting in his chair hearing this and his eyes rolling to the back of his head. You yeah. know, this is not this is does not serve the Packers great. But I think what Aaron's doing is he's trying to give enough reasons to where the Packers want to move on because I think he already wants to move on, but he doesn't want it to be yeah. his doing. It's almost like the Russell Wilson exit plan in that he blamed the Seahawks because they decided to let him go. He wanted to be there, but they decided to let him go, even though we all know behind the scenes he was pulling all the strings to get out of there. And so then this has right when they traded him, the owner said, yeah, hey, he wanted out. Yeah. <laughs> so this has some of that yeah, of, of deflecting yeah. blame or setting up an exit so that they don't get blame to me anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you'll tell me I'm yeah. not nuts. but No, no. Uh, I think the, the part about jumping off points is, is the real thing here. When, this is going to end at a certain point. Uh, there's enough reasons now all the way around to consider it. Because mm-hmm. you knew when you drafted Jordan Love – most likely that you were going to move on to him at some point, but it didn't make sense when you're winning almost all your games, you're 13 and three or 13 and four. Uh, he's winning MVPs and all of that. Uh, but I feel like now at his age, maybe like, I don't, I don't really have this fear that Aaron Rodgers is going to be amazing for the next five years. Do you? No, no, not at all. Nope. Um, and so this is probably the time to do it. If mm-hmm. you can, just make it nice with everybody. Have a conversation. Hopefully, they can, he can do it. Now, the flip side of that is, to me, I don't feel like his market is what it was. Uh, now, I could be completely wrong on this, but when I go through the teams that need quarterbacks, I think at a certain point a couple of years ago, teams would get rid of their quarterback to play Aaron Rodgers, right? I, I think that. Now, 
When you look at these teams like the Jets, the Commanders, the Texans, the Titans, the Colts, the Panthers, the Saints, the Bucks, the Giants, the Raiders, <laughs> maybe you put Seattle in there. There's a bunch of teams you could come up with that could need a quarterback. I'm just not seeing a lot of places where, uh, you know, they they want to sign up for all that it entails or the, their team is in that position to sign up for it, right? I I, whereas I think when we talk about Brady, I could see the Raiders for sure make sense. You got his coach there. You got some good weapons. That would be kind of it's in Vegas. That would be kind of exciting. Uh, shoot, maybe you know maybe it's Rogers there. I don't know. But what what do you think about that? Do you think that it's no problem to get a bounty for him, or do you think it's you're unloading a contract and you're going to have to take a lot less, or or what do you think? You just listed about eight teams. All I need is two, Mike, to make a deal. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to benefit the Packers. So if I have two teams, preferably in the AFC, that want his services, yeah, it's, it's up to the GM, Brian Gutekist, in this case, to get the best deal he can, and I think he can get it. I think there's teams desperate enough that they will pay you know, a first and a second, and if he does something that crazy, that second goes to a first, and a couple picks at the end to throw in to window dress it to make it look like it's four picks. You know, I think there's a deal out there to be made, whether it's, the Titans, you, you're going to think Mike Vrabel wouldn't go down to his new GM and say, hey, we got a chance to get Aaron Rodgers and we don't want to do it. You now, it's got to be a team that can take on his cap because he's got a, a different type of a contract. Now, maybe you can adjust it once you get him, but there is a window here to make that happen. And I think there will be more than one team that are desperate enough to make a deal. You might be right. He's not going to get or bring back the bounty he would have if they traded him after an MVP year. But let's just say he's only one year removed from a back-to-back yeah. MVP run. So, yep. you know, yep. I, I think a lot of the Packers' woes, you can bit put some of it on Rodgers this year, but I put some of that on a coaching staff that couldn't really figure out a plan and a process to win until the second half of the season. When their season started, we said they've got to run the ball, they've got to depend on him less, they're going to play good defense, and guess what? They did none of that until about week eight. Then they sorted it out and became a running team. Defense played better. And guess what? They won their share of games. So there's more to blame than just Aaron for the Packers not making the playoffs. Just curious. I know this could – maybe it doesn't depend on what the team is. Just a neutral team, would you rather have uh, – would you rather add Rodgers or Brady for a one- or two-year run? I'd rather have Rodgers hands down because I think Rodgers' skill level is much higher right now than where Tom is. Yeah. The difference is I think the team – and not to jump the shark here, but – yeah. What teams will want Tom Brady aren't necessarily for the skills on the field. They're going to yep. want somebody to help them change culture, to be a leader, to have all the intangibles, all that stuff that makes sense for him to go with Josh McDaniel and his yeah. Patriot buddies in Vegas. I yep. think I think Rodgers on the field gives you a chance really to make a Super Bowl run right now. Seattle wouldn't do it. Just trying to think of who would do it. Probably not, you know. I, I would agree with you. There. I mean, I think Pete Carroll likes going with the young guys. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud of yeah, yeah. where, you know. I think Nashville but, would. Um, he's I don't not going to want to go to a junk team, you know. He's not going to want to go somewhere where you can't win, right? But I don't think Nashville. I don't think the Titans are a junk team. I'm not saying they're. they're oh no, I'm yeah. not saying that. I'm I'm yeah. saying the Titans. No, he's yes, not going. They've to, been kind of a playoff team. He's not going to know. Arizona or something, you know, someplace. That, yeah, the yeah, Texans. Yeah. He's not going there. No, I agree. Yeah. But yeah. I do think a, a place like that with a coach like Vrabel, I think there could be some synergy yeah. there. Um, 
Yeah. What, what about Miami? You mentioned Miami. You think Miami would make oh, yeah. a run at Rodgers? Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to list them in there. Um, I I love the idea of just look. Uh, there's I'm sure there's people that spend all their time looking at salary cap spreadsheets who are laughing at some of these ones, but that one uh, just from on the field really would interest me with uh, Tyreek Hill and stuff. I think he'd get real excited about that, and it could look pretty good in a hurry. Um, don't what you if think? Sean Payton goes to Carolina? Would could Carolina make a run at him? Yeah. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, would that yeah. make all of a sudden Carolina a player? Yeah. Oh, I think Carolina would be interesting. Yeah. Carolina would be interesting. They. Have I don't think talent. he'd go there unless they hire a, a proven commodity as a coach, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got you on that. Um, I think I would just like to see uh, – I would love to see Rodgers in Miami – and I'd like to watch his press conferences and then McDaniel's because McDaniel's is funny in his. You know, he gives these little looks and stuff, and he's a little offbeat. You know, kind of he's off kilter. He says things, and you have to like think about it for a second. And he's almost messing with you. He's kind of being funny about it. So it'd but be a, Yale and Cal. So they'd yeah, be yeah, yeah, geniuses. That, but I always feel yeah. with McDaniel, it's it's coming from a good place. Like, yeah, I, I agree. find like he's. I find like I like it yes. about him. You know, he's he doesn't have some agenda. He's kind yes. of playful. Yes. Uh, Rogers, he's not out to prove he's the smartest guy in the room. No, no, he, that's he just the way he is. Yeah, there's a humility to him, and he's quirky. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he has a way of being smart without rubbing it in your face. Yeah. I sort of like that about him. I uh, agree, hundred percent. I yeah. like his. I like the quirkiness that comes with him. I don't know yeah, if that genuine. has a shelf life at all, but you know, but we'll see well, over the long haul. I think players like him. I think players will play for him, but not to get sidetracked, but yeah. But I the think, shelf life just, just depends on your record. That's all. I mean, well, any sort of, I don't think there's anything inherently bad about it. Like it, it's not inauthentic Yeah. And, and it's not self-serving. Yeah. And I think if you remove those two things from it, it could totally work as long as you have to have success at a certain time or you don't have credibility. No doubt. Uh, but they're just a team Miami that's been, you know, mentioned for all these things. And obviously the Tom Brady tampering thing happened. So, right. um, yeah, I, I would love to see that just on the field. I, I in fact, Miami's a fun landing spot for a lot of, like, like I would love to see, uh, Lamar Jackson there too. You know, there's just with that offense, with those guys and that coach, it could be fun. So, yeah. I agree. Um, I think before we get off the Tom Brady thing, can I bring that up? Oh, just yeah, yeah. Oh, in, yeah, yeah. In, I forgot. Yeah. Because these two guys are a little bit intertwined. I would not want to be the Tampa Bay front office right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Because of the fact that they've redid some contracts, which they've never done in their history before. But since Tom came, they have. And they've redid his contract enough to where Tom Brady can either retire, return, or walk to another team. I think the Bucks would be fine with either of the first two. It's the walking to another team and still playing that his deal is going to void. That's going to leave them with 34, 35 million in dead cap money if he goes away. If he retires, they'll redo a deal like Breeze did in New Orleans, where they won't cut him till after June 1. And so they'll spread out some cap count if he retires. If he comes back, they'll be happy. They'll have to sign him to a new deal, but they'll probably kick the can down the, down the road some more and redo his his uh, cap count and his cash in income. So those yeah, two things they could live with. The one that it would make me a little nervous is him going to the Raiders just flat out because his deal's going to void. They put dummy years on it to spread out prorated rosters and, and signing bonus. And now that's going to all come due next year if when he walks. Don't you think, um, my feel is he's going to play again somewhere else, isn't that Yeah, kind of I yours? agree. And that's bad for Tampa. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Hey, they got their championship out of it though. They wouldn't give it back and- yeah. And they, you know, they kept it together a year last year just to see if they could do it again, and it didn't work out. But 
Uh, I don't blame them. So here they are. Yeah, maybe they could have structured it in a better way. But uh, Tom Brady, amazingly, Tom Brady could be free to leave two teams in about a four-year period, three, four-year period, because he was able to leave uh, New England of his own uh, accounts as well. So Yeah, well, uh, he's going to be free because his deal is going to Yeah, no, I know. So, yeah, I know, yeah. It's, he's going to have that ability two yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, really, from every team he's been on, he's been able to walk away on his terms. Uh, yep. It's a pretty good deal, and we'll see where he winds up. Uh, but to me, the Raiders thing just made too much sense yeah. for trying to put in the culture there. And That's right. And think about the intangibles, the culture, all that. That fits off the field as much as anything else, you know. Plus, you know, not – I mean, Derek Carr has his flaws, but, I mean, you're walking away from a starting quarterback in the NFL, you know, yep. who's probably in the – some of the time in the top half of the league, you know, for starting quarterbacks. So Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, so you don't. One of these podcasts, me, yeah, we're going to have to dive into all these guys that are going to be free and kind of line up. Let's line yeah. up our top five or six free agents, and and we'll go through yeah. that one of these days. Love it. I wanted to talk about uh, some of these head coaching vacancies. You know, one of the interesting things with Carolina, Houston, Denver, Indy, and Arizona being open is that they're still open. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I think is great. I, I think slowing down the process is a win-win-win. I mean, it's all about getting the right guy. And I think there's been, if you go back up a couple of years, some of these things were getting filled in a week. You know, and it's yeah. rushing, and we oh, we got to have Matt Rule double the offer. We got to have Matt Rule. <laughs> well, you don't have to have Matt Rule. You can think this thing out and actually get the right people in. So hopefully this slower process leads to that. Obviously they've, uh, you know, they've strengthened different requirements in the Rooney rule for not only the head coaches, but the coordinator interviews. So that could make it a little bit more deliberate as well. But, uh, and some of this, I think this year, Randy, wouldn't you agree? Is just the whole Sean Payton situation of, of um, him being out there and making the rounds. Uh, so there's, and then some of these interviews can't happen in person, right? Until, right. uh, I think the process and the, and the timing in the system is bogged it down. No doubt. Yeah. 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 But so I do think you're right. Sean Payton's self-serving narrative kind of slowed it down a little bit. Everybody's taking pause for that too. That's what I wanted to ask you about before we get into these teams and vacancies is just last week we had talked about how Sean Payton's commentary was not endearing him to the football GM podcast, which I know is very important <laughs> to him. I'm sure he's a big listener. Well, I'm sure um, he is. Yeah. yeah big listener. Um, he can probably come over to my house if he's in Idaho because it's not yeah. far away. And he yeah, he's not far. Throw eggs at my house. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, uh, but do you think that where do you think that where do you think the teams are at with with Sean Payton? Do you think that there's pause off of this? I do think there's pause. Um, there may be less pause in a place like Carolina, but the compensation they're going to have to give the Saints is like we talked about off the charts. So the price is different for everybody. But I do think that diatribe on Colin Coward's show, I don't think it helped him. That's for sure. I think people saw that as. Hmm, wait a second. Is this really what I want? You know, is this what I want to sign up for? And then the fact that the rumor was out there that he's going to take 20 million or whatever, just all that stuff kind of gave franchises, uh, they said, and this is just my opinion, they said, let's look for some other options. And yeah. and that's, I think, what they're doing now. It might be indeed that, that Sean Payton ends up somewhere. I've got a little bit of a sinister plot there that we'll get to at the end of this that I haven't even mentioned to you as to why he might sit out, but We'll see. Oh, you're going to mention at the end? Uh, well, the I end? didn't know what else uh, these head coaches you wanted to. These I want to go through the, the places, but I, I like the sinister plots. I mean, <laughs> well, I got. Um, and I have no fact to basis on whatsoever. But yeah. I, I've been around the NFL a while, and, and I kind of think a little you know, yeah. different, right? 
Yeah. What if Jerry Jones, because this has been said that, you remember when Brett Favre retired, uh, they were going to give him like $20 million to not play and be a uh, voice for the team or an ambassador for the team or oh, some yeah, crazy yeah. amount yeah. like that. What if Jerry Jones gave Sean Payton $20 million just to sit tight for another year? Is that not legal? Take a deal? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not saying he did, but I'm. Jerry's a deal maker, right? He 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 he's going to keep as many options open for as long as he can, and the timing just isn't right right now. So it's like putting something in my back pocket. I'm trying to think down the road uh, a little bit. Do you Is think? That, yeah. Do you think that would be a good fit? Oh, I think it'd be terrible. But I think the one the one way Sean would ever go there is to be bought. I think it's a it's a giant yeah. money deal which Jerry will pay. Um, and, and, and I really think that's the only way Sean goes there is to get paid some incredible amount of money. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hope. Tell me I'm yeah. crazy. But if he doesn't have a, the ideal place to land this year, could he have I'm a wink? Jerry, could he have a wink? Could he have a wink and a handshake from Jerry saying, we'll take I, care of you here? I don't it's know. Just, just hold tight. Give me another yeah. year. You can walk away with this money if you don't. But So why wouldn't he? You said the time's not right now. Why? I mean, Jerry Jones can do whatever he wants. He can, but Mike McCarthy does not deserve to be sent out the door, in my opinion. I think that's crazy. I think he's yeah, he's done yeah. more than enough to prove himself. And there seems to be a lot of people in Dallas that are ready to, you know, come out at him with pitchforks. And, and I don't think it's right. I don't think Jerry wants to either. But who knows how next year will go. We're talking about Ezekiel yeah. Elliott up in the air, Dak a little bit up in the air, an offensive line not as good as it once was. That's going to have to be reshaped. So they've got some free agent decisions. They got to find another receiver or two in Dallas. So I'm just saying there's a yeah. lot of unknowns there. Yeah, yeah. Who knows how that'll go next year? Is Kellen Moore going to be there or not? Is he going to find a job or not? Is Dan Quinn going to leave with another job? There's a lot of unrest with the Cowboys right now. Yeah. I might just want to set one aside for later and see if we even need to play that card. See how this all falls out. Maybe Quinn takes a job this year. Maybe Quinn ends up going somewhere and now your defense isn't quite the same. And, yeah, and, that's my point. And all of that. And uh you know we'll see what happens to them next season so yeah maybe the timing i like it i like it i don't i, like I don't it. think that's been done but i'm just saying it, down the road it, there'll be a 30 for 30 and it wouldn't surprise me if it was on something crazy like that yeah know? that's funny yeah 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 what what really happened behind the scenes with yeah. sean payton i don't know. Um, as far as these teams you know and and i was trying to figure out uh for my column on monday you know where i would want to go or where a coach would want to go among these teams and let's face it it's not it's not a. These are not always storied franchises in great, perfect shape. Uh, you're going to have to go in there and rebuild the car, so to speak, in some of them, and and maybe get a new car. Um, but I think we would agree that ownership and the quarterback situation are pretty are pretty important. Uh, can you get a quarterback? Do you have one? I ended up having when I did this Houston and Carolina at the top, which surprised me a little bit. I think historically I would have thought of Denver, but. To me, with Denver and Arizona being locked into these quarterback deals and having to navigate that, and then yep. we can throw Indy to isn't that situation. But to me, the Jim Irsay thing really was a negative, and I know it was to you too, uh, to give me pause. Um, but I'm just curious from your standpoint, you know, what would be your sort of criteria? What what teams might of this group it lead you towards when assessing which vacancies should be the most attractive? Well, I do agree with your assessment, especially initially, and I was with you, that Jim Irsay, Irsay wildcard um, yeah. makes me nervous about that. But when you really sit down and think about it, if I'm a head coach, I want 
an owner willing to spend some money who will listen and who will add deal-making acronym. I want to go with a GM who I can partner with that we have a shared vision with on how to build this team and some place that has cap money. That's really what I want. I want, and I, I was lucky when I went to the Saints, we didn't have any draft picks. So I don't think the draft pick thing is a big deterrent. And we turned them around in a year. But we had a lot of cap money. And we were able to identify what we talked about earlier, some young ascending talent. I, I went through your list of the 10 or 12 things that you had mentioned. I really don't think the cornerback's important. And what you, Mike did was he gave the best player at several positions and, and used that as an equation of good place or bad place. I don't know that a cornerback is going to matter for right. me. A pass rusher, maybe a little more. Receiver, not really. Left tackle, yes, that's going to matter a little more to me. And quarterback matters. But like you mentioned, in Denver and Arizona, it's not a plus. No, you <laughs> it's have a big one negative. you don't want it. Yeah, and, and you're tied to them for hundreds of millions of dollars. So those aren't good. So there are some things. And, and the, the draft choice. The draft choices are, you know, it's nice to have them. Uh, Houston has a whole bunch. They've done nothing with the ones they've had already. So, you know, I, I kind of came back to if you can handle the Ursay angle, I, I know Chris Ballard's a really good evaluator of talent. He's a good guy. I know I could work with him if I was a coach. And I think we could share the same vision on how to build it out. You, you said that, and I agree with you, Indy has a good traditional fan base, very, very good at, at people backing them. So all the above led me to them. And, and by the way, the three-year win percentage that you used, it's the highest in Indy for the last three years. So I like the way that matches up, and I didn't at first glance, but after looking at your chart, I'm not so sure Indy wouldn't be a pretty good spot. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the draft capital thing doesn't matter a whole lot unless it's just an unusual situation. Like I feel like the Broncos having Wilson and not having picks, that's kind of a double whammy. That, yeah, that almost makes it exponential. Whereas I think Houston... Uh, the thing, the thing I sort of liked about Houston is I feel like the owner's not good, but I don't feel like he. I feel like he'll spend. I feel like the owner's more vulnerable to having the wrong people in there. But I don't yeah. feel like the owner is going to actively meddle or do I make agree. you do certain things. Now, but going in there, you were working with Nick Casario, and that's a different experience because of the whole New England thing. So that's yeah. a consideration, and maybe the fit's not right for everybody. Maybe it's great for somebody else, but. Uh, um, I thought it was just interesting to go through and, and shoot. I think you've evolved towards Indy even since we talked about it a couple of days ago, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, liking that a little bit more. Well, so. they have 20 million in cap room too. Yeah. Don't yep. you think Houston's going to end up with a, a new England descendant of some kind? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Flores maybe, or something somebody like that. Uh, um, yeah. I felt like that one could potentially be, you know, after doing two one and dones, I feel like the next guy is going to get a little bit of a runway. Maybe, maybe that's the opposite. Maybe I should think two guys were one and done. The third guy should be worried too. But I feel like going in there, you're going to get a chance, and you're going to have uh, you're going to have two ones, a two, two threes, forty million in cap space, probably more if you wanted to get rid of guys. And I thought they did at least hit on a couple guys in the draft. They got that running back, they got a safety, they got a corner um, who you know may be okay. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe those aren't good pieces, but it seemed like they just had a couple guys from the draft last year who might be okay. And so, and add in the forty million that they have cap wise this year. Yeah, that's it. Throw that in there. So that's I guess six or eight you have players to overcome. Right there. Yeah, 
you just have to overcome Houston. I think Houston has earned such a bad name because of the whole, everything that's gone on there. It's just been a train wreck for three or four years. They fired people, traded people, bad trades, yeah. uh, you know, put the wrong, done weird things. Uh, but if you sort of look at what the future could look like, it may look, it may be able to look better than that. And they were actually decently competitive on defense, I thought, at times last year. So Plus, I think uh, Cal McNair will spend whatever he needs to spend. Yeah. He never has been one to me that pumps the brakes on anything. Nope. His dad was the same way. You know, Frankly, they yeah. probably need to hire the best evaluator they can in the whole league to couple with Casario and the new head coach and, and give that a go as a team build. Interesting. So uh, Casario has the GM title. You wouldn't necessarily say that with every GM being in place. So you think they, they could use an evaluator in addition to Casario. 100%. Casario is different from some of these other GMs. And make it somebody outside the New England way. Somebody that has a fresh set of eyes. Someone that's done things differently so that we're not all drinking from the same pot of Kool-Aid. You know? yeah. I just yeah. think a, a different perspective makes us all better. And that won't happen there because Casario probably, you would think, has the ear of McNair, and he's not going to say, hey, we need someone with a different view than mine. So that could actually make Houston, from your standpoint, not as attractive. Yeah, I think you go back and forth on these things. but And again, this is just our opinion. They they might think we're all wet, but that's why we have a podcast, right? we got a podcast. We can say (laughs) almost whatever we want we have so far. Um, Okay. Uh, before we get to our picks, I think let's hit, we got to hit the GM notebook too. You got some stuff, you got some stuff in the GM notebook? Yeah. There's a couple things that you haven't picked away. And, and, uh, yeah. I, I, the GM notebook has, topics. has blank spots in there. Miller doesn't, <laughs> obviously doesn't trust Sando to, to not borrow from the GM We were going to talk about Bill O'Brien. Are you still going to hit that? Let's hit Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Cause I think that was a logical move, right? I thought it was interesting. A couple weeks ago, the Patriots put out a statement saying, uh, the Patriots and Belichick have begun contract extension talks with Gerard Mayo that would keep him with the team long-term. In addition, the team will begin interviewing for offensive coordinator candidates beginning next week. I thought that was almost Robert Kraft getting it on the record. Bill, we're going to go get an offensive (laughs) coordinator. You said you would. Now we put it out there. So it's in print if we don't do this. Uh, And maybe it wasn't that complicated, but hey, Bill O'Brien, that's who everybody thought they should hire. What do you think? I think it's clearly an upgrade. He fills an offensive IQ void that was there left when Josh McDaniels headed west. Any job in the industry where you fill a role with people who have never done it before, and, and you can carry that into any industry, really, is going to come with a learning curve. Education, experience, it's expensive, right? And they paid the price. And unfortunately, Mac Jones' development paid the price for the route that they decided to go this year and fill in the offensive coordinator job. I just think it's clear cut that they had to do this or something like this with an experienced offensive mind who has done this for a living his whole life. This is not a training ground, okay? With all due respect to Bill Belichick, these aren't on-the-job training jobs. We're supposed to be the best in the world at running these franchises, best in the world at coaching these franchises, and I felt like that was a letdown for a lot of people. And you can't really say that about Bill Belichick because of all the Super Bowls he's won, but that to me never made sense. I never could connect the dots as to why they did what they did and I think yeah. they clearly paid the price with a down year and an offense that was really in shambles most of the time, and, and Mac Jones paid the price. So I, I like it. I, I'll say this about Bill, and you asked me that in our call before the show, do you think he'll be a head coach again? Bill's last couple years in Houston, everybody blames that on Bill being the GM, but I've happened to see some film, and there were some things with that offense that let me down or that let me down with his system, and it yeah. w- didn't change at Alabama. 
For example, the pass protection scheme, he had a hard time keeping Deshaun Watson clean his last year there. That kid took a beating. And at Alabama, I don't think we learned anything. Alabama's offensive line is better than anybody's in the league year in and year out. I mean, they're going to be favored to win 11 out of 12 games every year. So I don't know how you can tell who's really good at scheming and coaching at that because they have better players than everybody. They should beat everybody. So it's a total different evaluative set when you come to the NFL. So to answer your question about will he become a head coach again, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. He's got to keep Mac Jones upright better than he did uh, Deshaun Watson at Houston his last year. Well, not that the owners making the hires know anything about the pass protection, though, right? They're not going to be even that nuanced, right? They're just going to look at his record. Uh, well, I think Bill knows him. I mean, he was there. Oh, yeah. for oh Bill does. Years. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm talking about the head coaching yeah. candidate. So that gets back well, to then, yeah. you know, the rest of the staff around him. Yeah, and, the hopefully uh, the GM that that is with that owner of a prospective team looking to hire him will. And again, maybe that gets fixed this year. Maybe Mac Jones has a great year and he doesn't give up sacks, and they actually have a fortified front and. Pass protection is not a problem. It just was for me a few years ago when he finished at Houston. Be interesting to see what they do there because obviously Dante Scarnecchio was a big part of their success, and Bill uh, Belichick had asked him back even a couple uh, time, one or two times as the offensive line coach. Right. There had been speculation: is Matt Patricia going to shift over to that? Now there's speculation that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge may or may not even be there. Uh, uh, so we'll see how the rest of the staff shakes out. They're going to be in Vegas for the Shrine Game. Uh, uh, or that maybe they already are. They're going to be there soon right. uh, for those practices. So um, we'll see how that staff takes shape. But at least they have a real offensive coordinator that's got to be good for everybody there and a year overdue. Um, and again, Bill Bill Belichick not going outside the Patriot way. If, he, if you're going to keep it of in-house guys, then it's got to be O'Brien, right? There was almost no one else to get. But if you're, but it's a good get. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. What do you got in the GM notebook? Well, I took a little different angle this week in that a couple, couple things were said by combatants from last week's games that I thought were kind of interesting and, and funny a, a little bit. I mean, yeah. let's face it, Joe Burrow's a really good player, and when asked about the window of opportunity for the Bengals, he yeah. said, my career is our window of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't disagree with that. In fact, I think I tweeted out at the time, he needs to coin the phrase because it's yeah. really – uh, it was true for one thing. It's one thing to to say you're going to win the three point contest like Larry Bird, and there's another thing to just go out and do it, you know. And that's really what Joe Burrow has done. He's he's proved it, and he's probably right. His career is their window of opportunity. He's not going anywhere. In fact, he's fixing to get pretty good load of money dumped on his front porch. So that yeah. one kind of just made me yeah. chuckle. The yeah, other one was Nick one. Sirianni in the game the other day when he ran down to call timeout on the five yard yeah. line or whatever. Yeah. And he yeah. said, I know what the F I'm doing. You know, when somebody, yeah. you caught it from a microphone that was displaced down there and it made yeah. it sound like someone was questioning what he was doing down there. Trust me, Nick Sirianni knows what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> I just love that, that he gave it back to somebody who was challenging him. Probably an official or somebody down yeah, there. That's what yeah, I thought. The you know, line. like, yeah. like the guy who said, Hey, you're not supposed to be down there. And he let him have it right back. Yeah, yeah. Nick's a very emotional dude. So I just got a kick out of that. I thought it was yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. funny. Little confidence. Yeah. The other thing that I think hasn't got much play this week that happened last week was the Chan, Chad Henney 98-yard touchdown drive uh, yeah. when he came in when Mahomes hurt his ankle. I haven't heard much said about that outside of Kansas City. This is why you need a veteran who can come in as a backup, not having any reps, and replicate what the starter does and the head coach trusts him. 
This has happened more than once in Kansas City, and Andy Reid clearly trusts Chad Henney, and they didn't call much different. The first pass was the first play was a pass out of the end zone, and he goes down and takes him on a 98-yard ride, uh, ride for a touchdown. That you know, I don't know that they win the game if he didn't do that. That's just because Andy Reid doesn't have any runs on his call sheet. He, he would have to Maybe. call. So, no, that's awesome, though. It was great. It, really, a, they're not. You know, they they may not be advanced. They you know may not have advanced uh, without yep. that type of play. So, uh, <laughs> really, I really like that uh, from them too. And it made me think about the other backups around. You know, uh, uh, with Gardner Minshew as one of them, right? Yep. Yep. Philly, you're okay with that? Yep. I mean, you can get you through a game. He could yep. he could lead a drive like that right if out. you had to. Yep. Um, Brandon Allen's the backup for Cincinnati. I don't know about that. What do you yeah. did you scout him? Yeah, I did. He's functional. I don't know that they're going to have Chad Henney type results, but I do think you. It, it makes you think about spending some money on a backup quarterback. There's some teams that are lacking it, that's for sure. So I said earlier, the greatest story that could come out of this would be the 49ers winning the Super Bowl with Purdy. I think the actual greatest story would be if something happened to Purdy and Josh Johnson led the... <laughs> there you go. That's funny. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but... Uh, oh. Shoot, like I said, maybe that would be the real test of Purdy. If Josh Johnson went in there and it looked terrible, yep. then we'd say, hey, we, I, we'd have to finally give well, – Sando would have to finally say, hey. <laughs> uh, but I think you convinced me earlier on uh, on Purdy. That was great. Uh, let's hit our pick segment here. We've only, we're have only we running out of games to pick, Randy. We're down to the last couple. We are, and um, I'm running out of battery juice in my computer, so I'm going to have to yeah. wind up pretty soon here, Mike, well, or I'm going to go are. blank on you, so. That's fine. Yeah, good. <laughs> I apologize. That's, that's it's not okay. very professional of me, but I've no, well, let's get trying to, your, to bear we the were facts. Both, no, we no, were both one and three last week on our picks. So I was I won with Cincinnati, you won with San Francisco. Some of those letters show you why there's I think we had the winner. Us. It was just the point spread we didn't have. Points right? got us a little off yeah. on that. Yeah. But we didn't know Mahomes was going to get hurt either. We thought Mahomes was going to roll, and I think they would have by more. Uh, that ended up being closer. Uh, what do you got this week? Well, this week for me, I'm going with Philly and I'm going with Cincinnati. Not shockers by any means. I think mm. Philly has probably been the team to beat all year long in the NFC since he's been on a roll and been so hot that, you know, they're they're 3-0 and against Kansas City the last three times. I have a lot of faith in Cincinnati's defense. Um, I can't say the defense coordinator's name, Lou Amo. Anarumo. Anarumo. Yeah. Outstanding job again. Their guys, I mean, we've talked about it. They don't do a lot of stuff. They just do what they do really good. And it'll be interesting to see how they attack Mahomes with the bad leg. Are they going to come after him? Are they going to let him sit and play coverage? That's going to be an interesting matchup to me. But I'm going with Cincinnati, and I'm going with Philly. What is Cincinnati's so you, a, a one-point favorite, a point. right? Yeah. yeah, you got to give a point, and then you got to give two and a half in the other. I'm going to do the same thing. I guess my question for – I thought the slippery track last week in Buffalo actually helped the Bengals' offensive line. That's the one thing at Arrowhead – stadium with a couple of you know replacement offensive linemen you got chris jones maybe moving around you know frank clark can still crank it up for a game maybe uh that would be the interesting component to me is burrow under a little bit more duress uh, than he was last week just because it's not going to probably be uh as slippery is what's the path to to the 49ers winning how do you see that um, they're going to have to score some points. There's no doubt about it. Their defense is going to have to do something with Hurts that nobody else has done. They just got to know where he's at all the time. And I think there's there. Fred Warner is the key to me. They, yeah. Fred Warner can get he can do a lot. Jalen Hurts on the ground. I think that's a he's a deal deal breaker. He can make things happen that most teams don't have. So he's kind of the ace in the hole for me. 
That's what I was thinking too. Is like, and he's a hitter. They have guys who hit on the 49ers yep. still at the linebacker position. And I think, uh, I think that helps you every week, but with Jalen hurts, you know, navigating through some painful shoulder issues yep. and being such a big part of their offense, like some message sending hits yep. by those linebackers early in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that could help shift it in their favor. Maybe we get a Brock Purdy special. Maybe Brock Purdy steps up and just has the game of his life and really makes some plays in the passing game. That would be fun too. I do feel like Philly's a little better in the trenches on both sides of the ball probably. So I will favor them. But uh, I think the 49ers have more than a puncher's chance. No doubt. We'll see. And we made it through Randy's battery because uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're still down in Dallas, right? You're, I am. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, XFL. Uh, Jim Hazlitt could come crashing through the door at any minute with his any sea minute. dragon sweatshirt on. And, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Some things never change, man. It's just, it's a lot of fun and we've been, we've been having a good time. We're in the middle of training camp for those. That's that great. Don't know, and it's so XFL. before, yeah, before yeah. your battery lines out, what's that like? What does Hazlitt come in? Like what are those types of things that he wants to bring um, about or ask you about? Kramer from, uh, well, what's what's the name of the show? Seinfeld. Seinfeld. It could be Kramer just coming through there, <laughs> looking around like what 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 what. what? <laughs> My feeling is, what is happening now? You know, I always say we're about three hours from a good mutiny at any time. And that is no different in the XFL with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Trust me. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, hey, no mutinies. Hopefully, hope you have a good. Uh, good time down there where you're getting organized uh everybody thanks for listening to us this week i'm mike sando of the athletic you can find me on twitter at sando nfl randy mueller you can find at muellerfootball.com at randy mueller underscore on twitter and uh thanks for coming along we'll talk to you next time this was the athletic football show